Would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 13? If you're going to use the Bible provided for you, it's on page 1,392. This is the gospel lectionary text for today in the parable of the sower. Uh, I find it so fascinating that when the Son of God came from heaven to live among us and to teach us about God and to teach us about ourselves and to teach us about the world and about the kingdom of God, he did so. He taught us by using parables. Parables. Uh, which very often feel like riddles. Why would he do that? Uh, Jesus could have given us a set of rules or he could have given us a list of laws, or he could have produced a highly detailed systematic theology for us to believe and to teach and to propagate to the ends of the earth. But he did not. When the Son of God came to live among us to teach us, he spoke to us in parables. Why on earth would he do that? Why would he, it seems like he's almost pulling a veil over the truth. Why? There are a handful of answers to this question. Here's one. He does this because nothing is as simple as we would like it to be. We would love to have a simple, exhaustive guidebook to God, right? That would be very convenient for us, but no book could ever possibly be written. We would love to have a three-step process for discerning the difference between right and wrong, but no process will ever be written. We would love for the world to be cut and dried. We would love for everything to be black and white. We would love to take the absolute truth of the universe and stick it in our shirt pocket and walk around with it, right? But that's not the way this works. All of these things are so far beyond us. So far beyond us. And we have a tendency to walk around like we, like we have a handle on these deep mysteries. <laughs> but in reality, so many of these things are beyond us. God transcends us. The truth transcends us. None of these things are things that we can palm. None of these things are things that we can completely manage. Sometimes all we can just do is reach toward the truth, reach toward God. If you think about, think about the ways that God must have to condescend to us. You know what I mean? Like baby talk to us. Can you explain Shakespeare to a dung beetle? Nope. Can you explain quantum physics to a two-year-old? By and large, no. The best you could possibly do is paint some kind of picture that in some way, somehow, sort of resembled the reality of the thing that you're trying to describe. By and large, that's impossible. And so when Jesus... The Son of God comes to us and he lives among us and he says, hmm, what can I say? What can I tell you about the kingdom of God? He's like, the kingdom of God is like... And he gives us a parable. 
If there was a book, he might have given us the book. But there's, there could never be a book. Not an exhaustive one. If there was an idea, he would have shared the idea. But there is no exhaustive one. Instead, he gives us these parables, which are sometimes frustratingly vague. And he says, here you go. Such things are too wonderful, are too lofty for us to entirely know. And so he gives us what we've got. Uh, that was a long introduction, wasn't it? Matthew chapter 13. Uh, we'll read verses 1 through 9 and then jump over to verse 18. Listen to God's word. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat on it while all the people stood on the shore. He told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, but it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now jump to verse 18. Jesus says, Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this particular parable is a little bit different from most of the others because after Jesus tells us the parable, he tells us what it means, which is very convenient for us and very convenient for anyone who has to preach a sermon on this particular text. Jesus does the work for me. It kind of reminds me of uh, sophomore algebra when I discovered that the answers were in the back of the book. <laughs> and suddenly math got really easy. <laughs> so... Jesus explains this text for us. He puts the answers in the back of the book, or at least in the back of the chapter. And we get this little cheat sheet, and the cheat sheet is verses 18 to 23. And so we can pretty easily figure out what Jesus is talking about. And we find out 
that this parable of the sower is something of a metaphor. That the seed that, that's being scattered is what, he, what uh, Jesus describes as the message of the kingdom of God. The message about the kingdom of God or the word of God. And the different kinds of soil are the different conditions of the heart, so to speak, for those who receive the message of the kingdom of God. So the seed is the message of the kingdom of God, and the soil is about the human ability or inability to receive the message of the kingdom of God. So for some, the seed is scattered, it gets snatched away. For some, the seed grows, but really quickly and only for a short time. For some, It grows, but then it gets choked out by all of these weeds. And for some, the seed grows and it grows deeply and it has roots and it produces a wonderful yield. Now, here's the temptation. Whenever we read a parable or we read a Bible story that seems to divide the good and the bad or the right and the wrong, or the in and the out, our tendency as the people of God, as the church, is to classify ourselves with the good and the right and the in, and to classify others with the bad and the out and the wrong. So we look at this parable and we say, um, are we the soil that's been beaten on the path Are we the soil in the rocky places? Are we the soil in the weeds? No, 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 that doesn't sound like us. We must be the good soil, right? Here we are on a Sunday morning. We all got up early, right? Good for us. The week is off to a wonderful start. We are Bible-reading people. We must be this last classification of people who receive the message of the kingdom and hear it and understand it. I think that landing entirely on that assumption would be a mistake. Here is a good guiding principle for reading the Gospels. It is so important to remember that Jesus' teaching never means to make us feel superior to anyone else. Jesus' teachings are never meant to inflate our egos. And this is especially true of people who are powerful or religious people like us. If we ever walk away from Jesus' teaching feeling a little bit more confident in our superiority or feeling a little bit more confident in our suitability to control the universe and make decisions for other people, then we're doing it wrong. Be very wary of anyone who uses Jesus' teaching to convict others and not themselves because they're doing it wrong. So here's what I think is going on in this parable. Frederick Dale Bruner, one of my all-time favorite commentators, he has a wonderful commentary on Matthew. Um, and he, uh, he makes the point 
that Jesus shares this explanation of the parable. So Jesus first tells the parable, and he does so in front of a great big crowd, right? We see that in verses 1 and 2. And then starting in verse 18, Jesus is only talking exclusively to his disciples. He's explaining the meaning of the parable only exclusively to his disciples. So he stepped away from this gigantic crowd in verses 1 and 2, and he's just got his, his 12 or so disciples, and he's just telling them about these four different kinds of soil, as if this parable might be applied to his 12 disciples. And then on top of that, and this is only observable in the Greek, but in each one of these four scenarios, in each one of the four soil situations, the, rocky, uh, the path, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the good soil, in each one of them, um, Jesus uses, or Matthew in his writing of it, uses the same verb in the same tense of the word to hear. Which means that in all four of these soil scenarios, the word of God is being heard. It's being heard to different degrees, but it's being heard. So none of these soils are meant to describe a combative atheist, for example. There's no combative atheists in this parable. None of these four soils are meant to describe graceless, mean, loveless people. There are no graceless, mean, loveless people in this parable. These are people who are willingly hearing and receiving, to some degree, the word of God. These are, these are church people. So Bruner says, uh, for example, if you look at these four different descriptions of the soils in verses 19 to 23, he says, couldn't we apply every single one of those soils to the apostle Peter at different times in his life? There are moments, I love Peter, there are moments when Peter is completely clueless, right? And it's like the seed just gets snatched from right in front of him. There are moments when Peter has this wave of enthusiasm and it just springs up like a flash in the pan and then he's distracted by some shiny thing over here. There are moments where Peter has this beautiful faith but it gets choked out by other pressures, by other people who are asking him hard questions. And there are also moments when Peter understood better and faster, quicker, and more thoroughly than anyone else in the room. All four of these scenarios, all four of these soils could be applied very directly to the Apostle Peter. My point being, Frederick Darrell Bruner's point being, these four soils are not meant to represent four different kinds of people, three bad ones and one good one. No, 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 that's not how the Gospels work. These four soils are meant to represent all of us at different times in our lives, at different hours of the day, at different seasons of the year. They're meant to represent all of us. Sometimes the experience of the reality of the message of the kingdom gets snatched out of our hands and we just miss it. We walk straight past it. Sometimes the experience of the reality of the message of the kingdom of God comes and goes like a flash in the pan. We feel it go down our spines in a worship song and then we just, three minutes later, whatever. 
Sometimes the experience of the reality of the message of the kingdom of God grows but then just gets choked out by all of these competing narratives in our life, all of these competing stories that are vying for our attention. And sometimes the experience of the reality of the message of the kingdom of God just clicks. It clicks. And we go, what? I've never thought of it like that. I've never felt quite this way. I've never felt so inspired. And it sticks, and it changes us, and we move forward as different people. Sometimes, just sometimes, maybe one out of four at best, right? At best. So, this is the point in the sermon where I give you three easy ways to make your heart good soil for the message of the kingdom of God. Number one, just kidding. This is tricky, right? This is tricky. All of this is shrouded in mystery, just like the nature of the parables. All of this is somehow just kind of elusive. There are no three easy steps. There is no ultimate truth, absolute truth that, that fits inside of our shirt pocket. It's just not how this thing works. There is no clear, linear path to greater happiness and greater godliness and greater understanding. It just doesn't exist. We would love for this to be black and white. We would love for this to be cut and dried. We would love for there to be an easy solution, but there is not. And yet, <laughs> I also feel Jesus compelling us to make our hearts better soil. Don't you? It's not easy. It's not simple. It's not a three-step process. It's not anything I can explain to you from up here. But at the same time, Jesus is imploring us to grow, is he not? He's imploring us to look deep inside and to try to do better. Uh, maybe you had the same reaction I did. Verse 23, Jesus says that the seed that falls on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. That word, understand, that causes me a bit of distress, <laughs> okay? Let me explain why. Um, because this can't, this can't be about cognitive brain power, right? This can't be an, an intelligence quiz. It can't be the fact that the most educated and the smartest among us have the best soil in their souls. It can't be that people with PhDs are just way up here in the kingdom of God and people without any kind of education whatsoever just are not. Or people with cognitive impairments, no soil there whatsoever. No, right? That's ridiculous. That can't possibly be what it is. So what is this understand thing that Jesus is talking about? What does it mean to understand? It's not a test of intelligence. 
The Greek word for understand here in this text occurs five times in this chapter. And it has less to do with intelligence and has more to do with surrender or submission. So instead of saying that, the, that when we have good soil, instead of saying, oh, that's when we truly understand uh, cognitively, rationally, the word of God, a better, a better translation rather than understand might be to stand under the word of God. Rather than to understand the word of God, it's to stand under the word of God. It's to surrender to the kingdom of God. It's to submit to the kingdom of God. It makes me think about how in just six chapters after our text, Jesus is surrounded by a group of children and he's looking at the children and he comes up with another teaching and he says, you know what, all of you adults, unless you become like these little children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It's not that children understand so much as they stand under. I wonder how we would benefit from approaching the message about the kingdom of God like children. Not as experts, not as authorities, certainly not as professionals, but with wonder and with curiosity, and with trust, and with imagination, and with openness, and with joy. What if we were meant to be children in the kingdom of God rather than experts? One of my favorite professors in my academic life, theology professor in college, he said that his least favorite students were those who arrived on day one as experts. His least favorite students. They arrived with their minds made up. They arrived ready to defend and deflect anything that would otherwise make them think twice. And he said his favorite students were those who almost embraced a cluelessness those who almost embraced an openness, an imaginativity, to make up a word, a creativity to engage, to wonder, to think, and to listen. See the difference? His favorite students, rather than understanding the material, they stood under the material. What would it look like for us to receive the message of the kingdom of God like children would, with trust and with hope and with imagination and with humility and with submission and with surrender and with openness, creativity. If we were to assess our soils today, I wonder what we would find. 
Are you resisting the message of the kingdom of God cynically? Okay, that's okay. We've all been there, and it's okay. Are you lacking follow-through? Are you lacking discipline? Are you lacking that long obedience in the same direction? Also okay. It sounds very familiar. You are in excellent company. Are you fighting obstacles? And are you fighting these conflicting narratives that are inhibiting your growth? Join the club. But also, I wonder, is there a child inside of you? Is there a child inside of you who is willing to wonder and is who, who is willing to listen, to surrender to c- control, to submit to the word of God, to open his or herself up to the realities that he or she might have never even considered with hope, with imagination? I would guess there is. I would guess that that soil is in every single person in this room. I wonder what it would look like for us to each give that inner child some more agency in our lives, to bring that inner child up to the forefront a bit more, to be less experts and to be more standing under the word of God and the leading of God with a curiosity about God not trying to take absolute truths and fit them into our shirt pocket because they will never fit, but instead to reach, to yearn, to wonder, to submit to beauties and realities that we will never entirely comprehend. There's a beauty in that surrender. There's a liberation in that surrender. And I think that's what Jesus is asking us to do. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, we recognize inside of us all kinds of soil Uh, some of which we're not so proud of, and some of which we are. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to increase in us by your Holy Spirit that good soil, that humble soil, that submissive place where we can receive what you have for us and grow in it. We thank you, Jesus, that you and your teaching as beautiful and touching as they are, are also beyond our grasp. So we surrender, Jesus, to your grandness, to your bigness. And we find great strength being teeny and tiny in the palm of your hand. Make us like children, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.